0: Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit Debut podcast and this week's Adult Bible Study as we continue our series Beyond Sunday, how do we take what we hear on Sunday and how do we apply it Monday through Saturday. Now in the first few weeks we've been cultivating the ground and we're going to continue next week and the few weeks after and we're really trying to get at what is sanctification and this week what is trying to stop me from sanctification or growing in my faith. And these are foundational lessons, but this week's lesson I felt like went absolutely amazing, not because of the teacher, but I'm telling you the class listened, the class responded, and some that you won't hear on this and some that you may. There was some feedback and conversation afterwards. We are dealing with a very fundamental truth, but it is a truth that we don't like to think about. And this week we hit it head on and it was a great study. So Without further ado, let's get into Lesson 2, which is entitled, This Just Got Difficult. Here you go. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 7 to get started here today. We will get there in just a little bit. Romans chapter 7. But first, in your notes on the handouts, you'll see at the beginning some last week takeaways. And I think this is important, not just because repetition is the key to learning, but because... These lessons are building upon one another, and so if you weren't here last week, that's okay, you're going to get enough that you'll be able to build with us, and you can always go back and listen, like I said, but, um, but they do build on each other, and so I want us to talk a little bit about it. So look at so what I took down as last week's takeaways, and we may get your feedback here a little bit, but I talked about, and you see my board here to the left, after salvation, Because the title of last week's lesson was, I'm saved by faith, and we all understand that. I don't think there's a person that regularly attends this church that thinks that you're saved by your works. I mean, we cover that pretty thoroughly in about every time there's a gospel presentation. Your works cannot and will not save you. Um, So, I think, Nate, there is a couple of chairs up here, which is the dreaded walk to the front. I apologize for your wife, not for you. Uh, But... um, but well, we do have a couple nights. So so last week, we, we talked about that after salvation, we know we're saved by faith, but then now what? And, and, and in my, my illustration here, not the fancy one, which my daughter said to me after, she goes, Dad, you didn't really say enough that I drew that one. Well, I said, well, it's because the original was what I drew, which was on top of your notes, and the, the copy's never worth as much, all right? It's just not where she's like, Dad, come on, you know, so, but... But I talked about that after we're saved by faith, a lot of times our mindset then just goes to heaven. I'm like, all right, one of these days I'm going to get to heaven, and I can't wait till I get to heaven, but I don't know when I'm going to get to heaven. Maybe the Lord's going to come back and I'll get to heaven, or maybe I'll die and I'll get to heaven, but how long until I get to heaven? And then we look at this part in between as just kind of a, uh, you know, I just got to hold on. That's how we kind to of look at it. If I can just hold on and stop doing these bad things and, and we look at it as if, as if it's all in our own strength. But we talked about after salvation, we begin a journey of faith. And just like you're saved by faith, sanctification is by faith. Now, I said last week, maybe we'll get you warmed up with these questions and if you don't know them, that's fine. But I said, what are some other names for sanctification? You may hear that in church. You'll definitely hear it in Bible college. But you may hear the word sanctification, but what are some synonyms for sanctification that I mentioned last week? Anybody remember? Wonderful. Yes. (laughs) Set apart is what what sanctification literally means. Yeah, so we may say we're set apart from things of the world, but we hear common terms of like growth, growing in Christ. We need to grow in our faith biblical change these are all synonyms for sanctification they sound a lot easier to the ear than a pastor up there going you need some sanctification and you're saying like what okay well we need to grow spiritually we understand that because we we understand growing physically and so growing spiritually is the process of this sanctification now the goal in this journey is to be more like Jesus Christ Our plan is, the goal, when I'm saved by faith and throughout this, which we said sanctification is progressive, it doesn't happen all at once. You're not just like Jesus Christ in the sense of your practice immediately. There's some baggage there. Some areas the Holy Spirit's going to work on in this sanctification process. In your position, you are in Jesus Christ. By that I mean this, you're a child of God. Nothing is going to take that. If you died the day after you got saved and you still had all that baggage, you're going to heaven. You've been f- clean, you've been forgiven of your sins. But if you live another 75 years, he's going to constantly be molding you to make you more like Jesus Christ. The biblical change is not just a relief from symptoms. Last week we talked about that heavily. And I love the illustration of the tea bag because we talked about how the tea bag, what's in that tea, when you when you put hot water in it, what's in that bag comes out and you can't and you can't necessarily blame the hot water it's just doing its job it's what's in that tea if you don't like that tea switch your tea bag right but in the Christian life so often hot water things happen trials or people hurt us or do stuff and then all of a sudden from within us comes anger and bitterness and frustration and we want to point our fingers at the hot water situations it's not its fault All it's doing is revealing what's really inside of us. And that's the dirty part that we've been talking about. And we'll talk more about today. And I said, the first five weeks of this study is going to be cultivating the ground so that we can grow. So it's not going to be flowery, pretty things. It's going to be like, hey, we are all rotten. But if we deal with that and not cover it up and cultivate that ground, then from that, can come an amazing Christian life. So we talked about the, the change. It's not just relief from symptoms. And I gave three illustrations. Can anyone remember any of the illustrations I gave about a teenager and a wife and a coworker? I gave four, but those are the three that really stuck out to me. Remember the teenager? I said, just spoiled brat, throwing a fit, whining because I didn't get this. And all of a sudden, the parents give in and go ahead and give it to them. And now they're really happy. Are they walking in the spirit? No, they just got what they wanted. I talked about the coworker that, that just hates their boss and they are mad all the time and, and terrible at work. And all of a sudden their boss gets trans, they move somewhere else. And now all of a sudden they've got a great spirit. Are they walking in the spirit? No. They just have a different circumstance. All the ugliness is still in there. Watch, once they get to used to that new boss, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be as bad as they were before because the tea bag that's coming out is rotten. And so, a lot of times we think, well, I'm doing good right now. Well, that's just because your circumstances change. Give you difficult circumstances. Give me difficult circumstances. And what's really in that I'm trying to get at during these first five weeks is going to come out. And so, we talked about what this series, sanctification, is about true biblical change, not just a relief from your symptoms. Not just—it's actually becoming like Jesus Christ. Now, who is the person that's bringing about this change? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that resides in me. I forgot Nate and Valerie. I didn't give you two of these. So, the Holy Spirit is what's bringing about the change in my life. He resides in me. When I got saved, this moment right here, at that moment, I received the Holy Spirit. Don't let uh, Assembly of God, Pentecostals, or anybody else try to teach you any different, the Bible teaches us that you receive the Holy Spirit the moment you're saved. Matter of fact, and I may show you these verses later, I can't remember, but Romans 8 says, He that hath not the Spirit, and I'm paraphrasing now because I just lost it, but if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. First John told us the same thing. So if, it, which does some other religions teach you, that you don't get the Holy Spirit of salvation, you get Him later at another time. Well, then what happens during that in the in-between period? You must not be saved because the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. And so you receive the Holy Spirit as salvation and He begins this change in your life. What is our responsibility then? Because the Holy Spirit's doing the change, but there is a responsibility on our part. And that responsibility is obedience. But here's where it gets... A, I don't want to say confusing, but it, it, here's where it gets... Obedience... Is our responsibility, but we don't have the power to do obedience. You said, What do you mean? Well, I gave an illustration at the very end of last week. Do you guys remember? I said, I want to go plow 80 acres of a field. Right? And plowing an 80 acres of a field. And I said, if I'm gonna go plow 80 acres and I went out to that thousand pound plow and I grabbed a hold of it, and I said it needs to be plowed, and I grabbed a hold of it, and I tried to pull it to plow. Am I gonna get anywhere? It needs to be plowed. And I may be a little bit buff, right, Nate? A little bit buff. Nate knows, okay? But I'm not going to pull in a 1,000-pound plow, 80 acres, and get the job done. But it has to be done. But I have to obey God. But I have to serve Him. So how am I going to get this job done if I don't have the power to do it? That's what's so great. There's this thing called a tractor. And you back that tractor up, and you, and you hook it up. Don't use his, and don't, you don't even need to... I probably should change this illustration for you alone, all right? But as he drove a tractor down a hill. But I back that tractor up, and I hook it up. And then I abide. I get into that tractor. And you know what I'm going to say when I'm all done? I'm going to go into my wife and say, hey, guess what? I just plowed 80 acres. And you know what she's going to do? Wow, you're amazing. She's not going to say, well, you really didn't plow that. The tractor did. Because then I would just be weird, okay? No one, no one says that. We understand that you plowed it, but only because you abided in the power to do it. Well, guess what? The Christian life, it's not, not going to be, it shouldn't be when I get to this point in my life, I look back and say, oh, look at all that I've done. No, because I can't do it. I can't teach this lesson in my own strength. I'm an introvert by nature, and I hate trying to talk in front of people. What I really hate is leading singing in front of people, but that's a whole different story. I can't do it in my own strength. So if I tried for the rest of my life to just pull this plow, I can't do it. But when I abide in Jesus Christ, he provides the power to do what we need to do. Now, Now, here's why that's so tricky. And here's why that's so kind of tough, because we can't see it. But guess what? When you got saved, you didn't see it either. It was faith, wasn't it? Wherever you got saved, I got saved in the bedroom, my dad's bedroom. Wherever you got saved, whether it was at church, whether it was in your car, You didn't see anything happen. You didn't see the Holy Spirit come down and live inside of you. You didn't see, you weren't there when Jesus was on the cross. You know what? You did it by faith. Why do we think then the the sanctification process has to be by something I can see? It's faith. I'm saying this, God, I'm trusting you. You want me to teach this lesson today. And so instead of just trying to do it in my own strength, God, I'm going to just trust you to teach it through me. And when it's all done i will probably think i failed this week in teaching because that happens about every time but then somebody will say that helped me And you know what i'll say not i but christ and i won't say that to you really because it looks sounds really weird to say not i but christ but you know what i'm thinking that really wasn't me that was christ now there's some people that think this well i did a pretty good job Man, i can't believe it i nailed it now they're not going to say that to you because again that sounds weird but you know what god's doing in heaven He's just saying, all right, have it your way. And eventually you're going to stumble. So sanctification is by faith. Apply that in any way. I've got to get to my lesson in a second, but apply that in any way. Maybe you want to be a soul winner. You want to witness to somebody and tell them about Jesus. But you think, I can't talk to people. I don't even know what I'd say. Well, it's not your responsibility. You're not picking up the plow. It's the Holy Spirit's. All you've got to do is obey. All you've got to do is obey. All you got to do, do is start walking to that person And begin a conversation, and God will work through you. Now, it's not like all of a sudden, like the Incredible Hawk. You just go, yes, now I can do it. It's not like that. It would be awesome if it was. The whole sanctification process would be awesome, and we would all understand it. We could all be like, look, they're walking in the Spirit. You can see it. They're like four times the size they were a second ago. The halo's over their head. You can see it. That would be cool, but that's not faith. Remember what the Bible says? Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. And so, we can't see it. Just like we couldn't see it when you got saved. It's sanctification, though, by faith. I took a lot of time on that because that's my favorite subject to talk about. But, outside of just the gospel, but it is the gospel, you'll hear some people say that is the gospel to the saints. We often think, man, here I go again, but we often think the gospel is only right here. No, the gospel is just as much right here. The gospel is throughout our whole process all right and our verse last week was from galatians 2 i am crucified with christ that's my salvation nevertheless i live i'm still alive yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith not in me picking up the plow but faith in god the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me so that was last week a little bit and then a little extra that i threw in just because i love that subject all right but today we're going to talk about because right now I kind of made it sound like alright I'm saved by faith sanctification I'm going to, this Christian life is going to be easy then because I've got the spirit of God I've got the power of God and so I'm just going to continue to live the Christian life everything's going to be easy well if you're a movie lover you know there's always a good guy and a what? a bad guy there's Batman and Joker there's a bad guy to every good guy in the Christian life there is always going to be opposition. And so I wanted to take this lesson. I've taught, it be- I've taught on this before, and probably the only ones in here is Ryan and my wife that have heard me teach that, and I'm not going to teach that lesson again, though I'm going to touch on some of those early on. But in this process and in this journey of faith, we will have those that are opposing us. We will have those that want to stop us. And I've got to take a second to talk to you and introduce you to the enemies that are going to try to destroy your faith. They cannot take your salvation. They cannot do that. But what they are going to try to do, and I will say this multiple times, is to discourage your faith, to really get you to stop growing in your faith, and they're going to try to render you useless for God. Okay? So you're on a journey of faith. That's last week. But this week, you're going to see opposition awaits. Let's talk about it. First, let's look at your first enemy. I call him the defeated enemy. It's Satan. I think we all are familiar with Satan. My first, the first two enemies I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because the first two enemies use the third enemy that I'm going to talk a lot about. But your first enemy in this journey of faith is Satan. He, was a, he is a created being. Don't let anyone try to tell you he's, he's always been like God. He was created by God as an angel. He was cast out of heaven. Again, this is another lesson for a whole other time, but I have, for the sake of where we're going, I'm just going to give you some brief facts. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel talk about the time when, when Satan was cast out of heaven. He wanted to be God. Pride was at the root of it. He wanted to be God, and he got cast out of heaven, and a third of the angels went with him, and when he was cast out, uh, he was he was in a sense condemned, but he roams this earth. Earth, some places call him the prince of the power of this air. We cannot see him. He is om- he's not omnipresent. So I don't think Satan is present with us right now. Though I think his demons are present with us right now in this room in the spiritual realm that you cannot see. And he's got a very organized system, according to Ephesians chapter number six, a very organized and a very successful. Because think about how many times alone he's convinced you to sin. How many times he's convinced me to sin? I mean, I'm in the sanctification process. Why isn't it just perfect? Satan's good at what he does. He has a desire now to blind the eyes of those that are lost. So if someone walks in this church building today, the plan of Satan and his team, because I don't think Satan necessarily puts his headquarters right here at Faith Baptist Church in Cunot, though. Maybe, but I doubt. He's probably in the Middle East or wherever he could be, wherever he wants to be. But Satan... His goal for anyone that walks in this church that's not saved, according to 1 Corinthians, is to blind the eyes of them that are lost. He doesn't want them to know the truth of the gospel. He doesn't want them to be saved. And then secondly, he wants to, for those that are Christians, he wants to absolutely ruin your testimony. He doesn't want others to know you're a Christian. And he doesn't want, if they do know you're a Christian, they want you to so blow your testimony that they're going to be like, if that's a Christian, I don't want it. He wants you not being used of God so that you basically take the time that you have here in sanctification and you waste it. Because what are we supposed to do in this sanctification process? Become like Jesus Christ and point others to Jesus Christ and to serve God. But if Satan can stop all of that, then what? We've wasted our time on this earth. And then he counts that as a success. And so... He uses the wiles of discouragement. One of the things he'll do in Ephesians, this is a whole other lesson. If I had 13, 14 weeks, I would teach one lesson on this one, okay? So you're getting it fast. Maybe I'll give more on the Thursday podcast. But here's what it is. He, he uses discouragement to try to stop us. Ephesians chapter 6 says the wiles of the devil. And one of the wiles, one of the darts that he shows, throws is discouragement. Because you know what? When I'm discouraged, you know one of the first things that goes in my life? is my time with God because I get discouraged and when I get discouraged all of a sudden I think well God you failed me and so he gets us discouraged and then he uses the second while which is doubt whenever whenever I'm discouraged and then I start to doubt God even John the Baptist at the last part of his life the day before his head got cut off he sent a messenger to Jesus said are you really the one he got discouraged and he started to doubt Why? Because when I'm discouraged, I start to doubt too. I start to wonder, God, are you really there? What happens in life when we're going along in our sanctification, this journey of faith, and something happens in my life, someone dies, or a difficulty, and all of a sudden we start to look to God and say, God, are you really there? All of a sudden Satan's going, God, yes. And we don't have to stay there. We're going to get to that. But that's where we can go. Satan wants to discourage you. He wants you to doubt. How do I overcome this? Quickly, again. Well, Jesus overcame it by the Word of God. Remember when Satan came to deceive Jesus there in his time and how he deceived it, or how Satan, Jesus overcame him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by that, which is, why did all of a sudden, all the things that I have memorized is gone, but by every word that, he's talking about the Word of God. We don't live by the physical bread, but by the Word of God. The Word of God is what protects us. That's why we have to be insulated with the truth of God's Word. You need it. It's not just something we teachers or preachers say, you need to study the Word of God. I'm saying, this is your defense. In every one of the enemies that I'm going to talk about, the answer in one part is the Word of God. That's why this is so important. That's why pastors and teachers, everybody talk about getting the Word of God. And we may say, well, I don't, I don't understand it. You know what that is? That sometime, at some point, Satan has implanted that thought into your mind, which I'm going to get to in a minute, and told you, you can never understand this, so don't read it. Why? Because of all three enemies, this right here is how you defeat them. Outside of the gospel, which I'm going to get to, this word right here. So as long as you and I believe we can't understand it, which by the way, we have the author living inside of us that will help us. But as long as we believe we can't understand it, we stay away from one of the antidotes to the work of our opposition. And so... He overcame it, and James says that he resists the devil and he will flee for you. Well, how can I resist the devil? I claim my position in Jesus Christ. I, I, can, I, I can resist the devil in the sense by saying, not in my name, get out of here, because I'm stronger than you, because I'm not. He will whip me, just like those seven sons of Siva in the, in the book of Acts. They went out there and thought they could cast out demons, and you know what happened? The demons just in, went inside of them. They didn't have the power. Paul said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And the demons had to run. Why? Because Jesus Christ, who lives inside of us, is greater as he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Jesus Christ is greater. So we can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Wow, that was a lot of stuff that I need to teach in another lesson right there. It's really frustrating, the teacher part of me, to have to fly through this, even though it's taking me longer. and I want it. So let, let me go to number two. So Satan is an enemy. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to doubt. The second one is the outer enemy, which is the world. The world and the world's system. The world is a man-centered way of life that ignores God. It's a philosophy of life. It operates with selfish principles and lives by ungodly standards. It's a philosophy of the world that says the only important thing in this life is this life. It's the world's system. Our world is getting... And when I say world, I'm not talking about the planet, the physical. This is talking about the philosophical way of our world. Is our world not getting crazy? For some of you that are uh, older than me, let's just put it that way, <laughs> even though I would have said the same, did you ever think that there was going to be a time when schools were talking about whether your boy was a little boy or a little girl? Not mm. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah. But where does this come from? That's from the world system. That's not, like, that's, not even a, that's, that's not even something to consider. Even when I was a kid... Mm. That was not even something to consider and now that's something that's popular that's that's popular even even systems even this even the what the bible talks about and i'm saying this next one carefully because this one is becoming so politically incorrect to say that even in a church when you say this you upset people okay and i so understand my heart when i say this this next one i'm going to say i'm not saying this out of a hateful judgmental spirit and i have ministered to people like this but homosexuality is a sin according to the bible and it is pushed on us so bad i i like to read okay i got a new book yesterday i didn't buy it i'm doing audio and i'm glad i did audio because i'm already stopped it i think and here's why every book you read now has a wife and a wife or a husband and a husband it's the, it's the thing you have to do to sell your book. Every Netflix series, you will find it every single time. And so I was reading a cool book yesterday, and all of a sudden, there was a wife and a wife, and I just thought, I'm just not gonna do it. I don't think I wanna continue down this road. Not saying if you do, you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in my heart, I'm like, I'm just, I don't wanna become desensitized to it because that's what the world does in our sanctification processes we're growing in the faith and reading the bible all of a sudden we start seeing things that's like what, what the world is attacking now i hope that you heard my heart when i'm not saying that if there is someone like that in your family which i have had in my family or i'm not saying if there's someone like that that ever walks in this church that we are hateful i believe we show the love of christ we 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 show the love. We, we care for them. We pray for them. We spend time with them. I think all of that. I used to have a teenager in a youth group when I was a youth pastor that way. I took him to lunch. I talked with him. Poured everything into him because I did not want him to think that I didn't care for him. Now I had to change some of my youth activities. I had to change some different things. But I'm telling you, Our society is starting to say that if you stay, something is wrong because of your belief in the Bible, that you're hateful. No, it's not that at all. It's just the Bible. A hundred years ago, everybody would agree with us. Matter of fact, before 2008, most people probably would. It all changed really in that situation I've been watching in 2008. And I'll let you figure out what happened in two thousand eight, just in case I say another politically incorrect thing about a president in two thousand eight. All right. So, but our outer enemy, it's a it's a pattern of this world. It's that first John I have to say quickly, but says there's the lust of the flesh, that's sensualism. Remember he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world and lust of the flesh, that's sensualism. That's our flesh. What does our world do? Boy, I, I may never get to my lesson today, okay? I'm going to get to the lesson. But what is the world of the flesh? Hey, guys, can I, I, I don't think we have any teenagers in here, so I'm going to speak very clear here in a second. The, the sensualism of this world, Satan takes the sensualism in, your, in this world, and the third enemy I'm going to get to, which is our flesh, if I never get to it. And he knows us as guys, we have desires. Guys can look on a woman and lust in their heart and commit sin. Bible, we know that. Women, you probably can too, but I've never been a woman yet, I guess. And so I, don't, I, don't, I haven't, I haven't uh, figured that out. Actually, I know you can because I worked with people with addictions, and there was a lot of women with pornography addictions that came to that, that addiction program. But, speaking from a man, so what does the world do? The world knows it can sell things by putting women that hardly have any dress on. Now, they're not going to say it this way, but what happens? Satan uses the world advertisement and a half dressed woman to tempt the third enemy that I'm hoping to get to, the flesh, and takes my natural desires to desire a woman, which I only have one person that I'm allowed to on this planet right here. That's it. But the world system's gonna put a bunch of women on billboards or on television things or anything, and they know that built in me, they don't call it what it is, it's the flesh. Built in me is a desire for that. And here's what's gonna happen if I'm not careful, Whether it be watching a TV show, driving by, or whether it be someone else's wife walking around holiday world hardly half-dressed, here's what's going to happen. The desire in me, the flesh, is all of a sudden that enemy that's trying to kill this sanctification process is going to try to get me to sin. Now, we can say all we want in our society. We can say, well, you know what? And there's a big, this whole, all this, I'm trying to figure out how far to go on this, all right? There's a big thing that says, you know we are women and, and guys i could get to you too but we can dress however we want you guys' fault i think there's a balance on both sides is it the guy's fault yes can it be ladies fault too yes we have to be careful in our our social media system is set up to get to look at me and you know what it's a dopamine hit every time someone hits like on your selfie guys or girls you know what that does in your dopamine it's like yes they like that and so what happens you see it in teenage girls and everything all of a sudden, they get one like, and the next picture is a little bit worse, and they get more likes and a little bit worse. And we're developing a society that needs to be seen. And the more likes they get, the more dopamine hits they get, and so they take more off. and Guys take more off. And I don't, I, I really don't say this to, to try to stir anything up, which it happens 90% of the time you talk about something like this. I'm really saying this to say. In these first five weeks, we've got to deal with our flesh. We've got to deal with this enemy. Too many Christians in our society today are just going with the flow, and that's a statement I'm going to make here in a bit. And we're just going with the flow, and we're seeing our Christians are failing in sanctification. We're absolutely failing. Churches are just miserable now because there's no true sanctification. All that's going on is I'm saved, I get to go to heaven one day. Now don't tell me what to do, I can live however I want. Well, no, it's not how it works. The Bible has a lot to say. And sometimes the Bible uses a preacher or a teacher to say something, and doesn't mean they're judgmental. And while I'm already on it, Matthew 7.1 doesn't mean don't judge. It means don't judge when you're doing the same thing. So if I'm wearing a two-piece bikini or something around uh, the church, <laughs> or whatever I'm doing, I don't know, then I shouldn't be criticizing you if you do it. That's, that's what it says, judge not that you be not judged. It just means I'm going to be judged by the same standard that I'm judging you. 1 Corinthians says a spiritual man judgeth all things so go ahead I want to write a blog post sometimes that says judge away and that's not a mean statement because I believe we ought to be led by love love everyone but judge according to the Word of God and if if it's your position and your place and your time I don't think I should go to Nicole and say you shouldn't be doing that because I'm not a pastor I'm just a teacher okay I don't have the authority over Nicole hurt this guy right here has the authority over Nicole I can tell him a few things to tell her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it's not my position to. It's not my position to correct her, or it's not my position necessarily to correct any of your families. I shouldn't go to you and say things that you shouldn't do necessarily, but if you come to me for advice, that's the thing. If I'm uh, an authority, if I'm a pastor or something, then, then maybe that changes things. But we have to be careful in our society. We need to not be hateful to people. We don't need to get into their own business we don't need to try to tear people down. It's not our position to do. But I do think we have to take responsibility for our families and our lives and say, Hey, I am not going to allow the Satan and this world, and ultimately what I'm going to get to is my flesh, destroy my sanctification. I want to live for God. And I told you, these first five weeks, we're going to till the ground because we want to, I want to see, even if it's 28 people, and whoever listens to this podcast, I want to see us get back to where Christians are living the actual Christian life and not just being defeated by this world. Mike, do you have a question? Oh, yeah, I just got kind of thinking about I mean, you're talking about the things that we need to hear. Yeah. You're worried about being a classroom and stuff, you know. I mean, if this 13 weeks, if you ain't going to get it all done, can we go in another 13 weeks so we can get it all done? Yeah. It seems like it's really the most important thing in yeah. our life. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you seeing that. That's one thing he's talking about. Uh, everybody has a tendency to say, well, this is the 21st century stuff. You know, the way everybody does things and stuff, you know. And even me and my wife, we kind of get in this deal about the uh, uh, judging people. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just tell my wife, I said, I ain't judging. I'm just checking them for the fruits. <laughs> stuff, you know, but, I mean, that's, well, we know, have to be careful. Yeah. That you said that. We have to be careful even on that. I've say this statement a lot of times. I don't want to be a fruit inspector. I want to be a fruit bearer. I'd rather, I'd rather encourage people and, and see the fruit to see the fruit in life rather than go ahead and sitting back and just criticizing all the time. But I do think I think you're onto something. In our own lives, I don't. We have to be careful of a critical spirit. There's a difference between a critical spirit and discernment. It's a fine line sometimes. Discernment is what does the Bible say? And I'm not going to do that, but it has a grace about it. Critical spirit has a barb to it, where I'm saying things and I want it to hurt. You got to be careful. There's a fine line there, but I, but I get what you're saying. Now I'm at 10:39, so I've got maybe graciously I got like six minutes, and so I think I'm okay. So let me do this, okay. You guys definitely have to go to the podcast now. I don't ever want to promote the podcast, but now I have to promote the podcast. But I want to dive down a little bit because the, the, the enemy that... I don't even know where my notes are. Oh, boy, I didn't even see those. Okay. So you think about it. You say, well, the world system... First of all, let me give you those two verses. James 4, the adulterers and adulteresses, which is strong words, but he said, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. So if we fall in love with this world system, we say, you know what? I just think it's okay. Some of these things are okay. Be careful. Always have the standard of the Bible because friendship with the world is enmity with God according to the Bible. And Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts right here. And by the way, that's where media and everything starts. They try to transform your mind. They try to get your kids to think differently early. And they admit this. They literally admit this. We want your kids to view homosexuality or transgender, all this stuff, different early so that they're not judging later what are they going after the mind and that's why we have faith baptist academy and many others anyways okay but why is this the way it is well i want you to get to my actual text look at romans 7 real quick it's it's paul's um paul's confession and to get to, by the way to overcome the enemy of the world we need the word of god and we got to renew our minds we got to separate ourselves according to the word of god But Paul was on this journey of faith and he admitted in Romans chapter number 7 that he struggled with his flesh. Look at verse 21. He had a lot to say about it, but verse 21 he says, um, in chapter 7 verse 21 he says, I find then a law or a pattern that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Every time I want to do good in this sanctification process, man, evil's right there with me. Evil is attacking me every single time. Back up three verses Go to verse 18. He says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present. I want to read my Bible. But now how to perform that which is good, I find not. I can't. I just don't do it, though. I don't know how to do it. And so he says, there's, I have a will to do this, but it's just not there. Back up to verse 14 quickly. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. That's the word fleshly, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For that which I would, I do not. That which I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that is good. Now then it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's not him making an excuse. He's just saying, here's what he's saying in the confusing verses there. He's saying, I want to do this, but I don't do it. I want to stop this, but I keep doing it. Why is this going on? He says it's because of the sin that lives in me. It's flesh. That's our third enemy. The third enemy is the internal traitor. It's the flesh. And Satan will use my flesh that lives inside of me. The world uses the flesh that's inside of me, the natural desires I talked about inside of me, that Satan uses those the flesh to try to stop us in our walk with Him. And I say this, our biggest problem Though it's not the environment which you have been raised. It's not the evil that's been done to you. It's not the limitations we feel that I have. Our biggest problem is the heart inside of me, my flesh, that wants it my way. Now, I put the verses in your notes, so I'm not going to read all those right now. But look at those verses in your notes, and that's just a few of them. Let me give you one. Let me give you just a few. Like look down in verse three, chapter Proverbs three five. Trust the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not into thy own understanding. Be not wise in thine own eyes. The fool, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. You're going to follow a pattern when you look at your notes. It's all about people that want it their way, like the Burger King, have it your way. That's that type of mindset is what destroys us spiritually. That is the flesh talking. That is not the spirit. The flesh defies God. I could go to Romans 8, I won't. But the fleshly nature is constantly at war with God. I'll get more into this in other weeks. So it's at war with God. It will not submit to God. If you're saying, you're here today and say, I just don't sense the flesh. Boy, I don't feel a battle. Then one of two things are happening. You're flowing with the current of your flesh. Either you're going with the current of your flesh, and that's why you don't. You know when you're drifting in a current, you don't realize it? So, either you're just going along with the world in your flesh, and that's why you don't know it, and eventually it's going to, boom, destruction's going to come. Or, two, or number two, you are being deceived by your flesh, which happens according to James. So, I, I, and the goal of the flesh and the goal of your enemies is to break your fellowship with God and to render you useless. Last minute here. The flesh not only defies God, it defiles man. I put those verses in there. The flesh will deceive man. It, it, the deceit starts in the mind. It's going to go right to your mind. It's a mind game. Satan's going after your mind. If he can get to your mind, it affects your actions. And then the flesh destroys man. He says in James 1.15, For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. The bre- Here's what happens. When I live in my flesh, It causes it breaks my fellowship with God. It doesn't take my salvation, but it breaks my fellowship with God. And now I'm useless for God until I get it right. And here's the good news. And I didn't get to today. Boy, I've got a lot to cover on Thursday's podcast and next week in review. But remember Paul at the end of Romans 7 here, if you're still there, he says, Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this flesh? And then he says, it's Jesus Christ. Victory comes in Jesus Christ. The good news is you have all of these enemies trying to stop this sanctification. But, right, you have Jesus Christ, just like that. All you have to do is confess the sin. All you got to do is cry out to God. Just like when you got saved, you cried out to Him to save you, cry out to Him and say, God, I need your help over this sin. God, I'm tempted to look with my eyes. God, I'm tempted to think the wrong thing. God, I'm so angry right now. God, I need you. And guess what? That is faith. And God gives you the power to do what you need to do. I will double down on this and talk more about it later because I took too much time. But I hope you see in this series, I'm passionate about this series because I believe it's foundational for the Christian life. I think churches are struggling with it, but we've got to till up this ground a little bit. We've got to pick at the flesh a while so that we can see the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to get to at the end actually bloom and blossom and be a beautiful thing.